Painted Arrow podcast, committed to taking you beyond the pursuit. Alrighty, so boy do we have a story for you today. So we are driving, what is today's date, Chad? Uh, today is, I don't know, the 27th? Putting you on the spot, I'm sorry. I just 28th. 28th. Wednesday and the 28th. We are driving in a Chevy 1500 pickup truck, just getting out of Denver, Colorado, and we're heading into the plains, the Great Plains of Nebraska. And uh, we just did a, I think we're going to start this podcast. We're going to just kind of describe the hunt that we set out to go on, what that looked like, and then we're going to tell you the day by day and the outcome of that at the end. So this is the third year. If, if you're a frequent follower of the Painted Arrow podcast, last year, Devin Cole and myself, we did a podcast before and after of this very same hunt. But we're going to re recapture the whole thing so you guys are your understanding of what, what the actual hunt is. So we are uh, not going to tell you exactly where, but we set out for a nine-day trip. So when I say nine day, we plan for food, um, nine days of food, winter gear. Uh, the last podcast was on all the you know winter gear that one would want to take on an elk hunt. Um, so if you're interested in gear, go listen to that one. Um, but basically, nine day hunt with a wilderness area of Colorado. So like it's designated wilderness, which means that you cannot take bicycles you cannot take a four-wheeler a side-by-side a pickup truck it's horse traffic only and uh i'm going to tell you right now we are definitely the only people out there doing this style of pack in on your back take everything with you um you know in a in a in a backpack yeah we definitely got some looks along the way i mean this is this is no news Uh, i mean Kind of the reason I chose the wilderness area to kind of really dissect in terms of like, you know, we're, we're from Michigan, we're going out and we're driving and, and hunting an area for a week. You, it, it, it pays to know the area. So like year after year, we're going to the same spot, you know, taking different people with me, but going year after year, going to the same spot and the wilderness area is just kind of somewhere where you can get away from other hunters more so, more or less. And it kind of just weeds out, like we were talking, Chad, like it just weeds out just enough people where... You can get the purity, you know, you can, you can get out away from people and get that purity level of just, wow, this is gorgeous and, and have a, an experience. So nine day DIY, there's no guides involved. There's no horses involved. You know, we're not working with an outfitter. It's simply an over-the-counter tag in the great state of Colorado. Anybody can go out and buy a tag. Um, the second rifle season, what were the dates of the hunt? 23rd through the 1st of November? Something like that. October 23rd through the 1st of November this year, which is a little bit later than it typically is. Um, there was a, There's an eight-day gap between the first rifle and the second rifle season. And like I said, it's an over-the-counter tag. Anybody can get the tag. It's $668.75 for a non-resident. I know that very well because I've paid it three years in a row. Um, and I think it's actually gone up a couple cents. Which I'm not too excited about. <laughs> um, so that's the hunt, okay? Everything on our backs. It's winter. Um, 
in the mountains, if, if you're familiar with the mountains, even if you're not, weather can be 75 degrees one day and then it gets down to 15 degrees at night. That's not uncommon at all, and we definitely experience that. We experience some snow, we experience some rain, some sleet, a little bit of everything. So it's, it's a gear-intense trip just from the sense that you need to be prepared, you know, to sleep, you know, walk. You're living in a winter zone, and it can, it can flux. So you got to be able to shed layers. It's very gear-intensive. It's heavy packs. And, um, again, if you want to hear more about gear, go to the podcast prior to this one, or previous to this one, I'm sorry, and you can get a little more information there. But, um so let, let's just talk, Chad. Like what, I mean, I think that we did a podcast the first time you were on. I can't remember which number it was. I wish I did. I'd plug you <laughs> so people could go listen to that one. But um, what we, we kind of like said, hey, we're going to go on this trip. How long ago? I think it was March. March? February, March. I don't know. There's there's snow on the ground then. I remember that. This is last March, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> what, what, tell me kind of like what you thought. We, you're going to get yourself into like I, I did a lot we talked a lot obviously we talked about, about gear a lot and got you kind of prepped up but what what were you thinking I guess going into this yeah I think I had a pretty accurate uh, frame of mind as to what I was getting into I had listened to uh, your and Devin's episodes last year so I kind of had a, a concept of what I was diving into but yeah like you were saying I was kind of expecting uh, to be the mule on this trip uh, just be doing a lot of hiking a lot of climbing um, I was really just tagging along. I wasn't going to get a tag. I was looking to get some experience out of the deal and then maybe some elk meat. So um, it was um, a great experience and, and definitely fulfilled all my expectations. So did you did you, you answered that too cookie cutter for me? Like, did you uh, did I were you prepared for like the um, what am I trying to say? Were, in terms of like the conditioning and the preparation in terms of your body and in your gear, like what did I paint that picture clearly enough? Yeah, I think so. And I think I, you know, from talking to you and just um, being somewhat aware of the physical toll that a trip like this takes, I, I started, you know, running and training back in the spring. And You did? Yeah, yeah. We, um, went, we went hiking like, I don't know, three or four times together towards the, you know, when we got closer to the trip. But Yeah, I kind of run regularly either way. But um, with gyms being closed around here for so long, it was a lot of just uh, running and, and doing that kind of thing. And then, as you said, um, in the last couple of weeks here, getting the pack on the back, uh, putting some weight in there, getting out and around, um, and then doing uh, the stairmaster at the gym a little bit too, um, and, and so yeah, I did my best to to simulate what it would be like. But you you really can't 100% uh, train for the elevation and and all those kind of things. That's so but true. That's like you can do a lot of things. You know, coming from the Midwest and going out hunting, if you don't have mountains and elevation at your access, it's like there's no way that I've found. You know, I, I, I like cycling a lot, you know, because it's kind of a, it's a great leg workout. It's cardio. It's this and that. But you, you can't replicate the elevation. Yeah, you and I were joking. Uh, going to the gym, they make you wear a mask, and I think that was maybe the best uh, <laughs> simulation of low oxygen levels possible when I was uh, it's so weird too. the gym. So, like, the elevation, you don't even really know what it's like. You, you, you can't even, like, put your thumb on it, like, to describe it. You just know, like, when you're walking, you're like, yeah, something, you just you just ain't getting a full. Can't get a full uh, breath in. It's yeah. Just, yeah. You're not as efficient as you normally are. Yeah. So we prepped. Uh, we prepped together. We jump in the truck. Well, I think we should talk about my favorite part of the prep. That was. Please, please. Getting the smoker going and getting oh, three wow. varieties of jerky. and. So this year I was uh, blessed to harvest a 
beautiful turkey, Michigan turkey. I harvested a black bear in the great state of Michigan in the Upper Peninsula, and a Tennessee whitetail doe. A little, little quick trip I did. That was a previous podcast. If you've been listening along, you heard that one too. So we took all that meat, turkey, bear, and deer, and we jerkied that son of a gun in the smoker, and that was like our protein for the for the trip or yeah. one of the sources. Yeah. And Chad was the mastermind behind all the smoking because he's he's got the smoker, he's he's got that dialed. And two of the three came out pretty good. I thought the turkey was pretty exceptional. We did like a teriyaki turkey and Oh, that was by I, far the best. I would definitely do that again. Yeah, the turkey breast was great. And uh maybe we'll do another podcast someday on how to do do that. But there you go. Okay, so I want you to take it over here. Where t- tell me about day one. Tell me about the just the start of the trip where we were doing all right, so that was last Wednesday, I believe. I was working until, I don't know, mid-afternoon. Uh, you swung by my place, picked me up, and we blasted off, headed west. Um, just made our way kind of through uh, Indiana, Illinois. Hit some serious rain yeah, uh, throughout yeah, the did. plains there. Just tough to see, kind of just brutal conditions, actually, for a little bit there. It um, rained literally the whole way out here. Yeah, did not love that. Um, we really trucked it along until, uh, you know, well after midnight got a couple hours of sleep and then hit the road again the next morning um stopped at a great place called lucy's mm. shout out to lucy's and somewhere in cafe Colorado. great stuff had some great breakfast and then uh continued on i think we got to the trailhead uh thursday at around what yeah three thirty, four o'clock maybe yeah and i'm just gonna butt in here this is the first time the first time ever that we got out here a day early so season openers on saturday Okay, we got to the trailhead at Thursday night. Okay, we hike up Thursday night. Friday is a scouting day, right? We didn't hunt on Friday. You couldn't. We left the gun in the tent. Go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to make that a a known point. Yeah, no, uh, good point. And so, yeah, Thursday afternoon, uh, got to the trailhead, and I think we had probably around 70 pounds on our back, somewhere, give or take. You had a 10-pound gun. Easily. uh, That was weighing you down as well. And so this was the part of the trip that had definitely been uh, the most hyped for me, or at least uh, I was given an accurate depiction of what this was going to be like. So it was, what, we were saying six miles uh, up this trail uh, to our campsite with, you know, 70-something pounds on your back. And uh, I think in years past you'd done it in the dark, and I was very yeah. thankful that we had light. Um, it just it made a huge difference. Um, it, was, it was tough. It was tough going. First exposure to getting out in the elevation. Um, but we did it. We were trucking. There was some uh, frequent stops, but we chugged our way to the top. Um, but kind of one of the things we were worried about is because, um, I don't know, um, because of all the, the drought that has been going on in Colorado, we weren't sure what our water situation That's was That's so true. Like. The forest fires and whatnot are big right now. Yeah, yeah. So we, um, you had a certain camp in mind that you were targeting, but it was really dependent on the fact that there was actually going to be water there. And a couple of the, the creeks and such that we passed along the way were, were pretty dry. So we yeah, weren't Yeah, there was sure. not much water. Yeah, we weren't sure what we were going to find when we got to the top. Um, but we did finally, uh, what did it take, two and a half hours? hours? About that. Uh, to get to the to our camp there. Uh, great campsite. The re- Okay, so the reason we wanted this campsite is because it's very centrally located. You can get to a lot of different drainages and basins and, and things of that nature. Really good hunting grounds, right? And there's a creek there. And the reason that I was really worried because had that not been open, okay, we're, you know, just 
just kind of common practice. You don't want to camp upon somebody else, you know, and, and years past that's been an outfitter camp. So they have a, you know, a permit with the, the Forest Service, and they, they can put their camp wherever they kind of designate for that year. And in years past, they've, they've put their camps there. So there's people there, and, you know, just out of courtesy, you kind of camp away from them. And, again, we're on foot. So any further going in, it's like you don't want to shoot an elk because you're, I mean, from, from, the, from the trailhead to this exact, um, from this exact camp that we're targeting, it's 5.8 miles. That's a long way. That's a long way. You add another mile on that. And, and then, you know, you're hunting from, you know, if we're camping another mile in, you shoot an elk another mile out, we're talking about a seven, potentially even more of a pack out, seven-mile pack out. And that just doesn't, that doesn't jive. No. So we're hiking up and we're just praying. I'm praying. I was, I was really, really hoping that that was going to be open. There's a creek right next to it. Hopefully and there's water in it. And, uh, yeah, so... What well, we got up two and a half hours, like you said, and it was just, you know, it was just like just prime time, like just getting dark, dusk, and we had our headlamps, just turned them on, and we walk into this camp, you know, hello, anybody here? Kind of walk into this, this camping area, and, and nobody's there, and I'm telling you, man, I, we celebrated. <laughs> we did. We're like, thank God, because we were both kind of tired, and you didn't want to go any further, and that would have been just a perfect setup, so we were celebrating. And then we celebrated again. I think we even hugged it out for a second when we found water in the creek. <laughs> it was just like, yes. I mean, if you haven't been keeping up with it, I mean, I think it's the – where are these forest fires going on right now? Pretty much all over the state, but some of them are the – some of the worst forest fires they've ever had out here. So, we, yeah, we yeah. were fortunate that we were not so affected by the drought that there was no water. And we were kind of worried, too, about fire, like being able to have a fire. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, being so dry – a lot of counties in the area had uh, fire restrictions, but where we were did not, uh, fortunately. And I don't, I, it's, it's hard for people to imagine. I, I don't know if you, if you're listening, you've never done this kind of thing. Like, you're like, well, it's a big deal. You can't have fire. I mean, like, I mean, you, you have to have a fire. It's, it's really cold. I mean, 10 degrees, it got down to 10 degrees this year. Um, and we'll tell you how we kind of found that out um, later in the story, but like, I mean, you, you got to have a fire. You're just drained. I mean, you, you're, that's your life. That's the lifeline. It keeps you going. It keeps you feeling good. So having the uh, – in the county we're in, there's no fire restrictions, so we were able to have a fire. It was huge. So, all right, you take it over. We, we get to camp. We set up. Yeah, just getting dark, got all set up. Uh, we really didn't do a whole lot that night. We were pretty, pretty exhausted from that trek up, so we uh, got set up, and we were in the sleeping bags pretty quick there, I'd say. Uh, with the plan to get up the next morning and do some scouting and kind of just get a feel. Um, obviously, you knew the area, but where the elk were and what we were looking at. So um, we got up next morning before light, uh, got after it, and uh, you want to kind of talk through some of the places you had in mind or what you were looking for? Yeah, I just kind of want to say, like, it, if you uh, – this is the first year I've done this, but if you can get out anytime you're going hunting, it doesn't matter which species or, you know, whatever, if you're doing the type of hunting where you're – you got a week off a year, you know, you're using all your vacation time and you're just trying to make the best of a trip. If you can, if you can squeeze in a day of scouting, I mean, that's gold. It's just gold. I don't know how to describe that anymore. It's just, it's so important because critters are always moving. You can find honey holes year after year. Yeah. But it's good to get out there, see sign and, and even some movement. If you can spot a bull going, you know, bedding in the morning and getting up in the evening to go feed, you know darn well that you can kind of target that area and hopefully get a sight of them and maybe get a shot off that next morning. So that's kind of what we did is 
Um, in years past, I've covered a lot of this ground. I've had two years of hunting out there, and I really wanted to go down a couple of these drainages with Chad the next day. And there's a big lake um, way up in a high alpine, kind of north of this basin that we wanted to check out um, and, and get some water and, and just, just cover ground. That was kind of the plan was just get out, cover ground, see some of the places we've seen last year and uh, get Chad kind of familiar with the area and just try and glass up as many critters as we possibly could. And we, I don't know, probably covered six or seven miles, didn't we say? Yeah, yeah, at least. At and least. Uh, that I, I think that was... That was really, really valuable. Did we, did we see elk that day? We did. We did. We saw elk. Yep. Um, can't remember what we saw. Yeah, it's kind of weird how it blends together the days, but I think we glassed some up. On the opposite side. On the opposite yeah. side. So it was like big, big canyon. No, we saw that uh, that cow and calf on the... Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. First thing in the morning, that's what it was. We going down this dark, nasty, deep drainage, and I wanted to see what it looked like going down because we typically in years past seen elk on the other on the other side of the canyon so you know i just kind of wanted to get an idea if we shoot something over there are we going to be able to get it out of here and we found out that we didn't want to do that no it was a dark dark deep i mean steep canyon and hiking it out of there would have been a nightmare so we kind of went halfway three quarters of the way down we're like we've seen what we needed to see and uh you know there was great sign in there and on our way back up so it was early in the morning it's like eight o'clock we got up early before dark or before light and as we we're hiking up we saw a couple cow and a calf kind of making their way through the timber and this is over a place that we'd seen elk years prior and uh, that kind of just reaffirmed like hey this is definitely a hot zone we're going to get out of here we didn't spook them luckily we saw them um and and so we, we got out of there before i want you to kind of take over from there as we hiked up kind of towards the lake and kind of talk about that. But um, I do want to say, so second rifle season, there's been three three or four seasons. So archery season, I think there's an early archery in actually in Colorado. So the early archery, archery, first rifle, muzzleloader, and then I don't know if it's that order. I think muzzleloader is before um, first rifle. I'm, I apologize. But then there's second rifle season. So all this to say that these critters have been shot at, right? And this is not even the only species that you can hunt in there. So you got deer hunters, you got turkey hunters you got ram hunters you got bear hunter everything so this is like this area has been you know people have been in and out of there so these these critters are they're on alert right i mean they're 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 very conscious to uh the scent of hunters um maybe not as much campfires but just the sound of guns and they're very alert so it's a it's a difficult time to to kill an elk just to be very clear about that certainly yeah, and for me, that was my first time seeing elk, you know, in the woods hunting. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, we'd seen a lot of sign, and I don't know, just to affirm that they were there, and I don't know, that, that was a cool experience. So we uh, we hiked out of that drainage and, and did some more scouting around and uh, had an intention to make it back to this uh, lake that I don't think you'd been back to before, right? No, um, never, never been up to it. So we kind of trekked along there, and one of the things that surprised me about this whole trip is um, how friendly and uh what kind of sense of camaraderie there was with the other hunters that we ran into along the way so on our way to this lake we ran into a couple guys from nevada I think. it was on the way back we saw them on the way to the lake and on the way back is when we kind of like you know yeah shot the breeze yeah so um i don't know what i expected i guess i'm just used to you know michigan public land where it's every man for himself and real i don't know kind of cutthroat but everyone we ran into on this trip was you know really friendly and and uh just really um helpful uh, these guys offered us, you know, to use their water source if we couldn't find anything or something like that. So that was pretty cool. 
Um, but we made it back to this lake, beautiful, beautiful mountain lake, and realized our mistake of not bringing any fishing tackle with us. This is accurate. Uh, because we were watching guys just... Hogs. Uh, Big old slobs. Man, I mean, giant trout coming out of that. Uh, we were nice just glassing them, lake. right? Yeah. I mean, through the binoculars, we were sitting. We, we had a cool spot. Like, we made a little campfire, had lunch. We were tired. It was a long way out. And there was just, I mean, they pulled out three within us being there in five minutes. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful scenic, naturally spring-fed lake. And uh, basically, we found out helicopters come in, and they, they stocked this lake. I ain't going to tell you where it is either. <laughs> and I'm just thinking about the freeze-dried meal I'm having for dinner that night instead of some fresh-caught trout. So yeah. next year there will be some uh, some tackle coming up with us, I think. I think you're right. Uh, so wrapped up at the lake, headed back to camp. Um, did we do any more scouting that night? We we kind of we kind of uh, both agreed that we had found sign um, kind of just south of this basin. We we're going to hunt the timber. Real, real tall. We call it the tip. There's a tip. And you look down, and there's just thick aspen, just timber. We found lots of sign, lots of fresh scat, the only place we found fresh scat. And uh, so we're like, we're going to hunt there. So we went back down, went to sleep, got up opening morning real early. Yep, so Saturday morning. Saturday morning, get up, got the rifle on the shoulder today, and we head up to this place. It's a 45-minute hike, about a mile and a quarter. And we get up there, and it's just prime time. Got this beautiful mountain, coming, you know, sun's coming up over it. And it, it wasn't too cold. Oh, let's, let's mention let's mention two things before we go on. The heat on the first day was like 60, 65 degrees, something like that. Yeah. So opening day, the high was supposed to be 70 degrees. Yeah. And it lived up. I mean, it was beautiful. Gorgeous. The trails were not mucky. They were soft, soft, um, you know, just almost dust-like dirt. Very easy to walk on. Very, very easy to walk on. And that helped a lot going in on the an initial pack in. So... We get up to this tip, and we covered, I mean, we hunted hard, I mean, for that first morning. Um, didn't hear any rifle shots, didn't see any elk, uh, but we hunted this timber, kind of walked off on the edge of this. If you can picture like a, um, almost like a, a bowl, and you flip it upside down, there's like that flat spot. So if you're sitting on the very top of the flat spot, you can't see down the edge. So what I'd do is I'd find these game trails, and I'd kind of walk the, the edge of the bowl and look down to the bottom and try and catch something moving in. That was kind of the, the plan um, that I had. And then Chad was doing a lot of that. He was glassing. We kind of split up, and um, we hunted that all till noon, right? Yeah, at least. Didn't see anything. Didn't hear any gunshots. Um, but it was still pretty warm out. Um, go ahead. And just a comment on the weather. One thing I took for granted, just always having my smartphone available, is not really having an accurate you know prediction of what the weather was going to be. You know, you took a screenshot of the 10-day forecast before we headed in, but our um, our most up-to-date data was from Wednesday afternoon or, or Thursday and kind of just, you know, basing our whole plans off of what might have been in terms of uh, precipitation and, and heat. Um, it was just kind of a, a interesting unknown going into it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What did we do that evening, that first morning? So that evening. Or first day, I'm sorry. We um, headed to the area where you had seen elk the year before. Oh, that's right. That was a cool experience. You know, oh, so we're hiking down from some elevation, headed to um, a different spot here, and again ran into a different hunter that we had not uh, encountered yet this year. Um, and you had met him previously, correct? Correct. Um, so just kind of shot the breeze with him for a little bit. Um, he, had, he said he had seen uh, what, three cows and a spike or something like that. Correct. Um, 
and but hadn't seen anything sh uh, that he could shoot. Um, so you know, well, on the way down, somebody didn't mention. So before we met the hunter, okay, so on on our way back down, midday first day, we encountered a ton of bear sign like all over. The, there's this dusty path, right? It's not muddy. It's really dry, and you could just see bear prints the entire mile down. I mean, the whole mile. There was bear prints everywhere. So it was kind of cool. We got some cool photos of uh, some really, like, perfect prints in the, in the sand and dust. It was kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, so we hunted this, you know, kind of a place that uh, – the same place that we saw the calf and the cow the first scouting day, kind of this deep, deep, steep drainage. And there's kind of like a rock face where you can look down and you can, again – catch something moving through the timber we'd seen elk there before we we had firm there there and uh that was the first day still yep oh man that was a great first day yeah. so we get in there um we got a great setup i'm like a sniper i'm sitting on this big rock face anything that walks through there i, I can just kind of pick through the through the timber and shoot yeah, and you're sitting over this nice big basin right yeah it was, it was big well it wasn't a basin but it was a, it was very vast but it was still thick at the bottom. So we could, we, could, we had a really great shooter's nest, a little, you know, perch, I guess you could call it. And uh, we weren't there, probably got there about 4 o'clock. It gets dark about 6.30, and it wasn't even 30 minutes, and we had the exact same group that the hunter we had seen before come through, which is, I, I, I thought it was pretty rare, but um, we had seen the same group. It was the two cows, a cat, two calves? Either way, there's four or five critters. One was a spike, and we see them, and, uh, man, I was right on them. I had the crosshairs on them. None of it was legal. Um, my tag has to have at least four antlers on one side or a brow tine that's five inches or longer. That's Colorado's definition of a legal bull. Every state's different. Colorado's definition is a five-inch brow tine and or four points on one side. So none, none of those were legal for me. Didn't have the tag for it, and they kind of skirted by. Man, that was cool, though. We were sitting on that rock outcropping, and they came right up the elevation right towards us, uh, which was odd. I mean, we were – they should have winded us for sure, but they came right past us, and then I, I think they were within, what, 30, 40 yards. Yeah, when we first saw me. them, they were down probably 200 yards, and then they disappeared for a second, and then all of a sudden you were sitting 30 yards to my left, and I look over and I hear this crunching in the leaves, and these elk were within, like, 30 yards of you, yeah. man. That was so sweet. Across right behind me. That was, that was really cool to see. They were, I mean, that spike was huge. I mean, again, it's not very often you get to have close encounters with elk like that, but just the spike, I mean, it was giant. It was a big, big animal. Yep, yep. And that, that got me excited. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah, that got the blood flowing. So uh, saw them wrapped up the evening um, and decided that that was the place we wanted to be that next day um, based on all the, the activity that we'd seen there. So, um, again, got up early the next morning light got to the same spot same rocky outcropping um the story of the day two okay of hunting was wind yeah so our, our plan was to spend all day the wind direction was favorable um so we we're going to spend all day in this spot um but the the speed of the wind was not favorable so it was it was easily okay i'm being very generous it was 25 mile an hour continuous with gusts up to 40 maybe even 45 yeah and we're sitting on this rock outcropping just getting blasted by this wind i mean it took a toll on us yeah it was we put up a little bivy we we didn't start a fire because it was so windy and we just i mean it was cold we did a ton of glassing that day we glassed up a bunch of elk on the other you know side of the canyon 
Um, that was I had a ball, honestly. We yeah. got the tripods out, and we got our little thermarest pads, and we just dug in a little spot in the side of the hill and glassed all day. And that it was it was really enjoyable, minus the wind. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think that pretty much wraps up day two. What, what did we well, do that night? Well, we were still there. We were. We did. We sat in the spot all day, and the wind was howling, and we kept just telling ourselves like it's going to die down. Oh, we just yeah. got to wait it out. Yeah, it's yeah. going to die down. Oh, uh, snow too. It, well, yeah, and it did not die down. In fact, the snow started coming in, and it's cool where we were sitting. You could see the the far mountain. I don't know what mountain that was, uh, but you could just see the weather rolling in yep. over the top of this mountain. So you'd see clear skies, and you'd, you'd think it was going to be. You were through it, and then right behind it would be you know big uh, squall of snow and more wind and. So the, the snow just started getting more and more regular. We had a little rain at first, and then kind of some sleet, and then it turned into yeah. actual snow. Prime and, time. Yeah, right around, right when we thought it was going to clear up and be nice, right around, you know, 5 o'clock, it was just... White out. It was just an absolute white out. So we stuck it out as long as we could, and a little before dark, we uh, we packed up and headed out of there. And, the, and just, just to add on to that, Chad, the, uh, the thing, so like we sat there all day, you know, after morning, after about 11.30, you're kind of like, okay... You can still do a lot of glassing and catch something, kind of stand up to grab a bite or whatever midday, and then they bed back down usually, and then they're more active towards evening. And um, so right like when you want to be hunting is from about 4 o'clock to about 6.30 to dark, right? And right about 4 o'clock, this snowstorm rolls in, and it, it's not 32 degrees out. I think we were talking like the mountains are like one of the only places where you can get below freezing temperatures on the ground, but snow is coming down. So basically it's – Snow's coming down. It's almost asleep, but it's not. And then as soon as it hits you, it turns to water. So this is good and bad. It's it's bad because, you know, our gear is getting saturated very quickly. And we're way out there. We need to have dry feet. We need to have dry pants. And uh, we did have rain gear, but it, it's still, you don't want to be saturated with water going into the next morning, especially when the night is supposed to get really cold. So it starts, like, spitting real bad and it's to the point where you can't even see maybe 60 70 yards with snow so we get out of there um we get out of a hunting spot and we kind of say hey we're not going to hunt this evening but we end up getting back to the camp we take our stuff back and the, and the snow kind of settled and all the leaves that were crunchy they got really moist so you could like sneak around so we take off for the last hour of light and just do a walkabout you know what i mean kind of creep through the woods do still hunting and we covered some cool ground. Didn't see anything that night except for a couple mule deer. Yeah. Yep. So we did see the same set of mule deer. It was a, it was a mom and a couple couple fawns. They weren't fawns. They didn't have spots on or anything. I don't deer even links, know mule yeah. deer. Do mule deer have spots? That's a great question. I don't know. Well, wow. somebody, we should know that probably. Um, but we didn't didn't see anything that night in terms so, of out. Yep, and our and our weather our outdated weather prediction, which turned out to be accurate, was that uh, that night Sunday to Monday was when the temperature was going to drop and we were getting some snow. Um, so after dark, we got back to camp and, and built that uh, life giving fire um, and kind of kind of buckled down and just got ready for the next day. Um, so we went to bed and it was snowing and I mean we woke up and there was what probably eight inches on the ground between eight and twelve inches for sure. Yeah, um, and the temperature had dropped down definitely into the teens um and it was it was just a whole different we went from 70 degrees and sunny um on day one of the hunt to by day four waking up and it being 10 degrees with eight to 12 inches of snow on the ground so it's amazing how quickly things can change up there um gear wise we were pretty prepared um but it's just a different different strategy at that point so our intention 
that Monday morning, which was day four of the hunt, um, was to get up, see uh, what kind of tracks were in the snow, where the elk were moving, and, and just kind of get out. Uh, I, I can't say either of us really were excited to get out in the the foot of snow, but it was either that or freeze your butt off. So we um, yeah, there's really I mean you're there to hunt. You yeah. either I mean you're gonna sit in a little six by six tent, or you're gonna go out and hunt. This is an easy choice. Yep, <laughs> easy choice. So yeah, that was definitely the plan was to just snow is a it's a beautiful thing really. I mean if you're glad I mean snow can be a great tool. Fresh snow because you can see where everything's moving. I mean, there's no question. You can tell the difference between deer. You can tell the difference between bear. You can tell the difference between elk. And you can tell the difference between, like, cattle. It's just no question. It's just very, very visible. And you can tell how fresh it is depending on a lot of different factors. But you just get to know how fresh it is. And it's really, really good also for glassing. If you're glassing, uh, you know, on a, a north-facing slope and you can see all these tracks, you can kind of you can kind of – figure out what it is by the patterns they take how big the tracks are and if it's a single track if it's multiple tracks you can tell a lot by that so the name of the game that morning we got up really early and we we seriously just we covered ground and it's you can you can creep on these um, trails and you know faces of mountains without being loud because there's snow on the ground so we we did a great go ahead i think this is just a good time to mention how in some ways non-traditional this hunt was based on you know everything you read and you listen to just based on the fact that we're in thick cover um we're limited on where we can pack out so glassing the you know the 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 ridge that's five miles away doesn't do you any good and we were i don't know that we were frustrated but we were just kind of have to recalibrate what our strategy was um just because you know the the idea of just um, finding a bull and, and stalking it and it, it just wasn't going to be as as practical as we thought it would be absolutely no, absolutely. I think people get when we say glassing, people think it's just huge, open, you know, like you know, you just you can see 360 degree. No, that's not the country that we're in. We're in thick timber. So finding these glassing tips and and high points, it's a gem. It's it's a few and far between type deal, and it takes a little bit of time to get to know the area to find those places where you can do that. Um, but m- honestly, most of the time we're glassing, we're we're glassing into these, you know. It, thick aspen hillsides where these these elk will elk and mule deer will just sneak through and you might not even catch them you, you, i mean you really got to be hunting with your eyes so that's a good good point there so yeah we were we were walking around all monday morning i don't know how many miles we put on but it, you know thick thick snow um kind of bushwhacking a little bit going over some thick stuff and it was it was physically starting to wear on me, definitely. I don't know about you, but it was just... Well, we covered miles. Yeah, right? we really did Monday morning. Um, and uh, we were just getting frustrated. We saw, what, zero elk sign uh, Monday morning? Not, um, none. Not anything. We thought for sure we'd see something in the snow based on you know how much territory we covered, and we weren't seeing we, anything. We added this up. We added this up. The, the trail that we took, we, we went up a pretty great ascent, and then we descended ascended again up and just went way over on the other side of the unit i mean we covered at least six miles in the snow yeah and we saw a total of zero elk tracks we saw more hunters than we did elk sign we saw three hunters yeah yeah tons of mule deer yeah mule deer tracks everywhere yeah but we didn't we didn't necessarily see mule deer but we just saw their tracks um but that's there's just like a sense of there's this sense of like coldness um, you know, we hadn't showered in four days. We're we're a little stinky. We're sick of eating the same food. We get a little bit of the the runs from the mountain house. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
just morale wasn't great no. because we're here to hunt out. We have seen a few, nothing legal. We didn't even know, you know, no legal bulls have been sighted yet. Yeah, we saw elk every day. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like you said, nothing, nothing shootable. Um, and just, you know, for sure we thought we'd go out and see some sign, and it just it wasn't working out the way we thought it would. So uh, around probably 1 o'clock we decided we needed to go back to camp, get a fire, yeah. get our mojo back, We're a get a plan. Um, again, it's, it's 10 degrees outside or something like that, and so we've been – just kind of booking it all day, so we decided to kind of get regroup. This is when the story gets good, in my opinion. I think this is when it all, like, this is where it gets good. Okay? You want me to take over? Take over. So we're sitting at camp, and, again, we said we saw three hunters. We know this camp, or I know this camp. Um, I've seen them the last two years. They're kind of on the other side of the creek, about a mile away, maybe a little less. And the hunter comes through, and uh, we're sitting at the fire warming up our toes. And then the hunter comes through and uh we're shooting the breeze a little bit and you know we offer him a log and he sits down and we end up talking for i don't know two hours yeah probably one o'clock to three o'clock something like that and um turns out this group of people real nice guys i mean you kind of like you said it like you kind of see hunters and you just put up this wall immediately because you're like oh no you know competition exactly it's just this natural red flag goes up these guys were super i mean this guy was super nice pastor um, their whole group is like pastors. Yeah, I think so. A couple of them at least. And uh, yeah, there's a there's a cop from Alaska. There's two priests and another guy. I don't know what he did. And uh, anyway, four guys total. Yeah, super super cool dudes. We saw every single one of them that day, and we were like, "Hey man, we're sorry. We're just trying to cover ground and try and find some elk sign. Didn't mean to like step on your toes." And you know, we're all hunting the same general you know thousand acres, say so. It, it's not common that you see that many hunters in this area, but we did. And he's like, oh, no, no big deal. You know, you know, do you guys see any tracks? Neither of us see any tracks. No no elk sign in the entire area. And um, what, what, what happened after that? So we probably, uh, we wrapped up with him probably around 3.30. And we had a plan to go to higher elevation. We thought that with the yeah, cold right. and the snow, we needed to go higher. So we were going to go back um, to where we started on day one of the hunt, kind of at the, at the tip there, we called it. Um, so we got all geared up and uh, kind of psyched up, and we uh, started headed up this path uh, that was leading out of our camp there. And we were we were taking a little breather. And uh, so this is exactly what happened. Okay, this is exactly what happened. Okay, we're there, we're probably we're probably a half mile up the trail, and again we're cold, discouraged. And I turned to Chad and I said. And, and again, we're creeping. We both got our trekking poles, and we're, we're some steep stuff, so we're kind of like just making our way up to the hunting, you know, hunting spot. And I turned to tra- uh, Chad, and I'm like, "Man, we haven't seen a single elk sign anywhere." And then we keep walking. Not 30 seconds later. Not even. I mean, we walk 20 yards further, and there's kind of this bend in the trail, okay? And there's like this, there's like three logs almost like on top of each other, creating this wall, right? So there's the, the trail that kind of dog legs to the right, and there's three logs right at the end of the trail, and there's a little pocket. It's an open clearing between the pine trees and these three, um, these three logs that are down. And we see this elk. Chad's behind me. I'm walking. I got my rifle on my shoulder. We both have our bags on. So I got, I got my rifle on my shoulder. I got a scope cover on my scope, and I got big heavy burly winter gloves on so we kind of had a plan we had talked through okay if we see one this is what we're going to do i'm going to hand you this we're going to do this yeah um so yeah we kind of just 
we both saw the the cow first, right? At yeah. The, just so about the same time. We, we we walked 20 yards further from when we said, hey, man, we haven't seen no elk. We walked 20 yards further, and there's a little, there's there's an elk. It was undeniable. It was bright yellow, bright yellow hide. We saw this cow feeding, and we both froze. And we were both like, cow, 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 cow. And, um, and then I think you, right after that, you pointed out, you said, there's a spike to the right. And we look over, and right, I mean, we're in complete broad daylight. No more than 40 yards, there's a spike eating there. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but my first instinct was that that's the same group that we saw. That's exactly what I was about to say. I was like, oh, man, like, all right, there's the cow, there's the spike. Where's the two calves? Yeah, right? exactly. I'm looking for calves. But then I'm at a slightly different angle than you, and I can see more, more horns. And it's kind of behind a tree. And I, I whispered to you, I'm like, hey, there's another bull. Um, I, I don't know if it's a shooter. I don't think you said that. I did say that. You said that? Yep. You might not remember in the adrenaline, but I, I, I saw that one behind the tree, and you're like, I can't see it, I can't see it. Um, and it, Because I, it was kind of behind that, that three-log wall there. Yeah. Um, and so we were kind of, we saw that, we saw more horns and got pretty excited there. I didn't. I had no idea. I had my rifle still on my shoulder, my bag's on. I turned to Chad at one point. When you had said something like that, like, hey, I see something else behind the, I don't think you said there was antlers. You did? I did. I, sure. I don't know. I turned to Chad, and I gave him my hiking pole. And I give him my right glove, just in case. My, my rifle's still on my shoulder. Scope cover's still on. And then all of a sudden, I mean, like, we're like in broad daylight with two of these elk. So, we're like, we're not moving at all. We're not barely talking. To I'm like, we're like barely whispering to each other. Like, hey, there's a fellow right there. Don't move. Don't move. You know, like 30 yards. That's very close. These things can pick up movement in this timber so well. I mean, it could all be done. And all of a sudden, there's this bull that walks out. And he, he, I, as soon as I saw this, this bull, I saw it was legal. And I, gra- I, I immediately go to my knee, and I grab my rifle off my shoulder, take the scope cover off, and I, everything is planned. I, get, I grab my rifle, and I, I pull it up to my shoulder. And there's a, there's a big aspen tree right in his vitals, covering his vitals. I can't shoot. And he's kind of quartering away at about 35, 40 yards. And I'm holding on him. I'm holding on him. It felt like an hour. It was probably three seconds. Yeah, it, th- it was not long. So <laughs> he's sitting there, and he could have gone straight down this little ravine, or he could have gone right. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, dear God in heaven, please turn right. Just please take one more step to the right. And he turns. I'm on my knee. I got my rifle up. And he turns, and I let him have it right. In, I mean, I got a great shot on him. And, uh, I, you know, boom, shoot. And then. Uh, he starts kind of running. I rack another one in, and I boom, I shoot again, and he's still moving, and I rack another one in, and boom. So I got three shots off, and I told you that the trail kind of dog legs to the right, and sure enough, I, I wa- you know, I'm, I'm not walking. I'm running. I'm running up trying to get another shot on this thing, and he piled up 20 yards from where we shot him. Yeah. 10 yards from the trail, man. And, like, it's hard for – it's. I want, I want to get your story on that. I really do. But I just want to say – the emotion, the emotion that I had just from doing this, this is not like an easy hunt to do. It's very grueling on your body. And mentally, physically, like the three-year buildup, like I usually don't celebrate when I shoot a deer. I, I don't know. I just don't like get all like real, you know, emotional about it. I'm very excited. And it's like, but it's like I've been there, done that, you know. Um, I, I I was just so... I was just like, yes! Like, I went over, and we just hugged there for a second, like, just celebrating. Like, that moment was so powerful to me, and it was so awesome. It just happened so fast. I mean, from the second that we saw 
that there were elk to the time that this, I mean, we walked up to it within, it was within 45 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Less than a minute. I mean, it was just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. It was amazing how quickly things changed. We were, you know, uh, 20 minutes before sitting at camp and kind of getting motivated and, you know, we were kind of mentally out of it and, uh, you know, trying to rally and then. You know, 15 minutes up the trail, oh. within 60 seconds, we had an elk on the ground. So, so Chad, tell me, though, like, you, what was your opinion? Like, where were you standing? Because I, I wasn't looking at you. What did you see from the time that you said, hey, there's a, there's a, apparently you said, there's a bull there? Yeah, we can take the apparently out. I, I for sure said that. Uh, I don't so, that. I was, I was a couple yards behind you. Um, and, and like I said, I think we both saw the cow at the same time. Um, and then the spike was visible. And, and yeah, I saw that other bull. Um, and, whispered to you maybe too quietly that there's another bull back there um and that's when i thought you took off your glove and your pole and kind of got ready for him and and again when when he stepped out uh, i couldn't see him at first i saw him initially and then he stepped out and i couldn't see him but i saw you get down on one knee and i still didn't have uh, you know eyes on him if he was a shooter or not but yeah. you got down on one knee and i was like oh okay this is this is happening this is a this you is didn't a see the bull. antlers I, ju- I saw antlers but i couldn't see the full the gotcha. full rack um I didn't know if he was another spike or what he was. Um, so he stepped out. I saw you get down on one knee. And then I, and then I did see him again. And, again, he was like you said, he was behind that aspen. And I was like, all right. I, and you were at a different angle. I didn't know if you had a better shot on him. Um, but you waited a couple seconds there, and he stepped out. And So you, you could see the elk as I shot the first time. Yes. Yep. Yep. You saw him take the hit. I did. I did. Um, and could so, you yeah. see, like, where it, like it hit? No, I did not. I did not. But, yeah, like you said, he maybe made it 30 yards. This, it, this is the quickest. I mean, this this bull died within twenty seconds. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy, and, and it could not have gone better. The, a couple of days before, we were talking about like, man, like we would shoot anything, but if it's right before dark, you know, then you gotta gotta butcher it in the dark and like this and that, and it, it happened with plenty of daylight right on the trail. It that was, was the key. I mean, of all things, the daylight's one thing, but the fact that it happened ten yards from the trail, a half mile from our camp, yeah, was a I mean, it was the dear Lord was looking out for us. He was looking out for us, and um, it, it was Chad. I just, I'm still. It's just like if you're listening, hunting elk is is actually finding elk. Okay, I mean, like actually finding them. If you can find the elk, that's the hunt, right? Shooting them is not that hard, but like finding, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. And for us to be in the right place at the right time in this season, it's it's a lot about getting lucky, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, just you just paths. You like just got to be in the right place at the right time, and you got to put in the miles. And that's why I think that being in shape and being able to walk around and cover a ton of ground is where you're going to be successful. You're not going to go out and sit over a basin for four days like you do if you're going to go out hunting, you know, whitetail in the Midwest and just sit in a blind or something. That's that's not where you're going to find your success with these extremely active and roaming critters. I mean, they're just again. So back to the the first the first four that we had seen the cow, the two calves, and the spike. We saw them. I don't think we mentioned this. We we had glassed them on that same morning, right? Day four. Oh my gosh, we didn't mention how you said day four. We'll have to go back to that. So. We glassed the morning that we it started snowing. When we get up, when we're covering all this ground looking for sign, we glassed that that foursome on the other side of the canyon. Yeah, miles away. We they had covered at least twelve miles, at least. I mean, they were up at twelve thousand feet, and 
all this to say that they travel a long ways in one day, a long ways. So you, you just got to be in the right place at the right time. We didn't mention, Chad, okay? We didn't mention that. So we're packing for food, okay? We're packing our bags. We take these big Ziploc bags, and we're writing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and we're putting the jerky, the trail mix, the mountain houses, everything, the coffee. They go into individual bags for each day, and Chad's got these two individual mountain house um, desserts. They're ice cream sandwiches. Um, and he's like, he's like, hey, Nate, which, which day should we put these in? We just got two, one for each of us. And I'm, uh, I'm like, I don't know, what do you think? He's like, uh, I think day four. You're going to shoot an elk on day four. That's going to be the day we need it. We're going to celebrate with some ice cream sandwiches day four. Day four, he said. And that was kind of like the whole theme of the trip. It's like day one, you know, we get in there, we scout. He's like, it's all right, day four. Day two, we get in there, we hunt. First morning, he's like, it's, all, it's not day four yet. That's fine. Day three comes around. He's like, man, this is really cold and windy, <laughs> and it's snowing and everything. But like, hey, day four, that's the day. Day four is the day. And we just kept saying, day four. Day four is the day. It's going to give us enough time to clean this thing, pack it out, get it butchered, yada, yada. And sure enough, man. Day four it was. Day four. Day four when you least expect it. The 6.5 Creedmoor, man. Yeah, you want to give a quick shout-out to your firearm there? Yeah, I got a lot of heat. I think I said that in uh, the gear podcast that I did, the one previous to this. But I got a lot of heat uh, for using a 6.5 Creedmoor from a couple folks I know. It's not a big enough rifle, you know, not a big enough round and this and that. And my argument's always been, like, it's a nipple hair smaller than a 308. And a 308 is, like, the most, what? People love 308 for for elk. Big game. Yeah. Very versatile round. So I'm thinking, dude, I can put this I can put this bullet anywhere I want to within 300 yards. And I want to give a huge shout-out to Flint Ridge Rifles, Jared Walker. That man has helped me get this this rifle specifically dialed in. Um with the specific round by Hornady, he helped me bed the barrel. He did he did a lot with me to help me get real confident with it. And um, he was actually out there hunting somewhere in Colorado at the same time that we were out there. But just quick shout out to Jared um, at Flint Ridge Rifles. If you guys need a rifle or just help, he's he's the guy. He's a great great dude, and he will help you out. So quick shout out to him. Is there anything? The only downside of that rifle is how heavy it was. I oh, think it was we, ten and a half oh, pounds. Man. It's a big sucker. Yeah. All, I, every time I was, you know, getting tired carrying my pack, I would just be like, man, Nate's got 10 more pounds on his back. <laughs> yeah, that, honestly, though, like, because you, you have it on one shoulder, right? You got your pack on, so you kind of put your rifle sling over top of your 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 straps that are going over your shoulder for your backpack, and it, it really, I mean, it really wears on your, on your back and your shoulder, like, kind of gets this pinching sensation, and it, it, 10 pounds is no joke, so we were having issues... You know, I was, you know, kind of going left to right, left to right, back and forth. Go ahead. Well, let's get back to our elk on the ground there. We um, we had talked about a couple of nights before kind of logistics of, okay, like once once we do shoot one, like what's our plan? <laughs> yeah, the story's not over here, folks. <laughs> yeah, oh, not even a little bit. What's our plan? How are we, you know, what are we doing in the field? How are we getting this back down? Um, and we had, we had talked about this months in advance. Though. Sure, sure, sure. But, you know, by the campfire, we were reiterating like, yeah. what we were going to do now that we had, we knew where our camp was, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, none of the options sounded so good. No. Um, they involved, uh, in our estimation, we were, we were doing some calculations, and we thought it was going to take us, after we shot an elk, four trips back down to the truck, um, totaling, what, what do we say, 50 miles each to get that thing down. We were estimating, we were estimating, tell them what we were estimating. 
like our estimation of like what we were going to carry out. Like this is if we kid an elk, this is how we're going to pack it out, and this is how many trips it's going to take us. Wow. Yeah, we were each going to take a uh, a quarter. We're, so we were going to quarter it out in the field. We're going to have five game bags, four quarters, backstraps and miscellaneous, and then you know skull and, the and antlers. And the fifth bag. Um, yeah, that fifth bag was backstraps and. Oh yeah, and all don't that. forget about the antlers and the skull. That's a good chunk of weight. Yeah, yeah. So we figured. Um, each trip would have one game bag, um, so that was plus skull, so six. That's three trips, and then we'd have to come back and get camp as well. That's four trips. So that's four trips. Six miles one way. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was the plan. Yeah. So we, um, but we still had an elk on the ground that we had to do something with, like I said, close to the trail. Um, and, and what was your plan going into how you were going to butcher that thing in the field? Like right when we shot it or like beforehand? Well, both. I mean. Okay. So like beforehand. I was kind of picturing we'd get a log, a sturdy log, and we'd paracord this thing between two trees and have us a little meat pole. And my plan was that we'd bone out the elk in the field right next to where the carcass was and only pack out boned out meat. You want to talk about the gutless method? Yeah, I will. Okay. I wanted to pack out just just boned out meat because we're talking we're talking – serious weight with these bones anywhere i mean easily 50 pounds total you get the front right the front left the back right and the back left i mean that's we're talking huge femur bones here yeah huge i mean they you know how they call a cow elk a cow it's because it looks like a cow <laughs> i mean this thing is huge and that was the thing that i don't think i mentioned is like walking up to this critter i was just blown away of how just you walk up and you have this sense of like, what did we just do? Like, whoa, you know, wow, there is a ton of meat here. And you just really, you just, I had this overwhelming sense of like, wow. Yeah, coming from a couple guys who shoot whitetails. Oh, know, this it's just was not even five times the size of a yeah, whitetail. It's not even on scale. It's just an absolute monster. And I don't think we said it. it was a four by four. So. Oh, yeah, we probably should mention that. This thing was kind of beat up, you know, it, it's, it's pretty beat up rack i could care less about the rack i was going to shoot anything that's legal in this in this area in this unit i think um that's a pretty good tactic to have you might be waiting a long time especially in the late season so um but so back to it we're bone um do this gutless method i didn't want to get blood all up my probably up to my my shoulder Based really on how big that thing was yeah. Yeah, yeah i mean people have gutted elk i'm sure they're listening or gutted deer you know it's it's a little bit bloody it's just a this is the name of the game. You got to get the guts out of the animal and get it cooled down, and um, so none of the meat spoils. And and so I didn't want to do that, especially because of how far back we were and the limited amount of gear that we had. If you can picture it, getting getting blood soaked pants or whatever, I'm not necessarily, not necessarily worried about like bear, but more just like don't want to have blood on my stuff, right? I mean, you're going to be sitting with it for at least the next two days. So we did this gutless method where you basically quarter out, um, I mean, picture an elk sitting on the ground, or not sitting, but laying on its side. So you, you cape it out, you take the cape off, so you just got, you know, you're looking at meat. So you take off front quarter, and there's no bone and socket or joint up there, so you just cut right through that, take the front quarter off. And then the back quarter, um, that's the only ball joint is the, the main hip hip socket there, and you can get to it real easy. You take that out. And now you got two in a bag, right? Front and right, front and back quarter in a bag, and then you take the back strap out, left back, you know, the, whatever back strap is exposed, you take it out. So we did that, and then we flipped it. We probably should have taken the uh, tenderloin out right there, yeah, 
but it, it wasn't that big a deal. It worked out. We just kind of had it synchronized in our head that we were going to do this first and this second, and um, so that worked out real smooth. Had you done this on deer before? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So because I was impressed at how efficient you were with this. It, I mean, <laughs> you got to remember, man. I was a turkey processor for a I, year of my it, life. It showed. It's just uh, like we said, a, a different magnitude of size there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we were. I was. I was definitely just helping out, but I was impressed at how efficient you were. I appreciate that. that. Yeah, man. It means a lot. <laughs> so, so we got the. You know, we take the back strip out, front, and, front and back quarter off, and then we flipped it. We did the same thing, and then went to, when when it was on that side, we took out the tenderloin. So the tenderloin, if you look at, uh, if you, if you were to put your hand like on your left hip and find that ball joint, like on your on the back side of your butt. The, your 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 hip joint kind of starts where the back, um, the tenderloin would be. So you you push you literally this you push the guts down, and you can get your knife right on the bottom side of the spine, and you can take out the tenderloin without hitting any guts whatsoever. I'd never I'd never done. Um, I actually take that back. I've never done that on a deer, but I knew exactly what I was doing. I mean, I know where it's at. It's the same on every critter. So. But you basically just get your knife right flat with the the bottom side of the rib um, vertebrae, bottom side of the vertebrae, and you just pull it right out. Comes right out. It's super tender meat and no guts. Beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, it went really well. It went really smooth. So we took four quarters, back straps, tenderloin, some neck meat. Anything else? We we talked about rib meat. It didn't. It, it wasn't appealing. The way that um, we we couldn't get the heart. The heart was shot up. I shot it three times right in the heart. You took tongue. Did take the tongue. Yeah, you absolutely blew out the heart, um, which was phenomenal. And we recovered two of the bullets, which was pretty cool. Yeah, well, they're sitting right here, right in the middle of the center console. They mushroom pretty well. Oh, one thing I do want to mention, though, I don't know if maybe somebody wants to comment who uh, maybe has had similar experience, or I, I don't know. We shot at 40 yards into this elk on the right side. None of the bullets exited on the left side. So we went back to track this blood to see what the blood trail looked like. There was no blood until the body. So the entry wound had, I mean, it would have started bleeding, absolutely, but it didn't start dripping yet. And luckily we had, we had snow and it was a quick recovery and all that jazz. But let's say there wasn't a good, you know, place shot or whatever. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering and asking if anybody out there maybe has had a bigger round, say a 300 Win Mag, 308, 270, something like that, 30-06 that has cleared. I'm sure there has been. But, I mean, we, we – sh- the placement of the shot was like ideal. Like you're like, hey, you want to shoot an elk? Shoot it right here. That's where it was shot about three times in a row, and none of the bullets went through. And it would have been a difficult situation, I think, had it been dry and not snowing to track that. If it would have went further, I don't know. So that's just food for thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, and back to food. So we we went back and forth on the rib meat, but I, again, I think we were limited by the fact that whatever we were taking off that carcass, we were packing out, and so it was a, a balance between you want take everything you can off that thing like we said we took a tongue we took you know uh, all sorts of stuff but at, at the end of the day that's, go- that's going on your back so um the rib meat was not as appealing as we thought it would be plus the weight so yeah i don't know i don't know either like we experienced another thing if somebody's listening and they want to comment we experienced like you know when when you shoot something the guts expand there's rigor mortis and like it starts to bloat right there was a there would have been a, it would have been very difficult to get the rib meat out and not puncture the stomach. So I'm just I guess wondering um, has anybody done has the gutless done me- that? method and retrieved ribs? Yeah, because the the folks I mean we could have sawed them out. 
and I felt a little guilty, but there's a lot of damage meat up front. Like I was saying, um, I don't know. I, f- I feel kind of mixed motions about it, but it is what it is. We're, we're probably talking maybe if you were to really go out into it and take all the rib meat between the ribs out, we're probably talking maybe 15 pounds of meat, maybe, yeah, maybe less. I'm not sure. 10 pounds, not a whole lot, but you still got to take all that silver skin off the top, and it's it's just not a yeah. whole lot of meat. So, so I, I to put it in context, I think when we saw this elk initially, it was right around four o'clock. Yeah. Um, and I think you had everything uh, wrapped up uh, in terms of uh, butchering this thing within two hours. I think it was about six o'clock, um, and we had everything in game bags, and uh, we were ready to roll from there. Yeah, we got. I mean, that's exactly right. We shot it. And I, we had it to the camp, a half mile down. We took two, two trips, real heavy trips, um, to camp, bagged, quartered, in camp, right about at dark. Yeah, 6.30, 7 o'clock. We, we pulled in right about at dark, maybe yep. a little after. So go, go ahead, because this, this is where we were, we were hiking, right? We were, we were taking these heavy loads a half mile down to camp. So Yeah, so we're taking these loads to camp, and we're kind of – like we said, we kind of had a plan originally. It was going to be four trips. We were trying to figure it out, um, and we just weren't sure what that was going to look like. So we were we we were talking about definitely taking a load down that night. We just weren't sure. In the meantime, we went over and uh, went over to the other camp of the the hunters we had met and chatted with them a little bit, just to let them know, you know, celebrated with them a little bit, let them well, know. Well, no, he had said at the campfire, he's like, "Hey, if you oh, guys yeah. down, if you guys down an elk in a bad area, hey, come come look us up." We'll get the horses, and we'll help you pack it out of that area and get it back to camp. That's exactly. what they said. Exactly. So it wasn't in a bad area. We got it back to camp, but we still wanted to let them know, like, hey, you know. No, let's cut through the beef here. We specifically <laughs> went over to that camp. <laughs> we were going to tell them, hey, you know, we got an elk down, and we got it back to camp. And we were, let's just be totally honest, we were both praying and hoping, like, hey, Hey man, yeah. Hey, we'll we'll help you take that that elk back down to you know the the trailhead there and get to the truck, which was an unfair expectation, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, but would have been phenomenal. That's what we were hoping for. We're hoping that'd be like, oh, we don't want to see you guys hike that thing down the hill. We'll, we'll help you get it. But that did not happen. Um, so we we talked to them for a while, and um, then it was about eight o'clock. We cleared out, and we decided that it was time to take some meat down the hill. So, uh, as I've alluded to multiple times, we had a, a four trip plan. And we decided, man, that. But here, hold on, back up a second. So we did not bone out the elk at the at the at the site of the kill. We brought it back down to camp. You know, we just had this conversation with this hunter. We were really, really thinking. I don't know why. We were just really optimistic that these guys were going to help us pack it down on their horses. I don't know why we were, but we were. Yeah. So we didn't bone it out. We brought it back to camp. It was getting dark. We wanted to get it back before dark. We got it back, and uh, we came back after, like Chad said, we came back after dark after talking to the, um, the hunters, and. We get to camp, and it's cold. I mean, the, the river's freezing. We needed water. We were tired. We needed to get some food, so we started a fire, and we planned our descent and how we were going to do it. And we had both decided, sitting there by this fire, eating a little bit of grub, that there is no way that we are going to be able to go up and down this hill four times. I mean, we're talking six miles one way, so you do the math. Six times four is 24, right? 24? Well, that's one way, so 48. No, 12. 12 is one down and back. So six down, six back up. 12. 12 times four. Times four. It's 48. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks, Chad. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so, <gasps> that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a long way. That's a lot of miles oh. with elevation and snow and the whole thing. So we decided 
Nate decided, I agreed. <laughs> uh, Willingly. Yeah, that we were going to maximize our trips. And so that involved us putting two game bags on our back, hiking down, and then sleeping in the truck that night. We weren't super thrilled about the idea of hanging. There was there was a pole in, in our camp there, but we weren't super thrilled about hanging meat in camp and then sleeping in a little tent right next purely, to it. Purely because of the amount of bear sign we've seen. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot. And a lot and a lot of different bear signs. Uh, we've been, ha- you know, obviously we had a bear bag. We were hanging food in the tree all week. And then you're going to go from keeping clean camp and hanging food in a tree to hanging meat in the tree right next to you. It just, it didn't seem like a great plan. So that was like a bit of a motivator as well. Yeah. So we decided to take this trek down the hill. All right. So this, this is where it gets nutty. I mean, yeah. uh, so it's, I, it's I, just so nutty because I had, I had, I want you to say what you had too. I had two front. I had both the shoulders, two front shoulders. With bone in. With bone in. So we were thinking, what, 50 to 60 pounds per? It was way too cold to bone them out. Yeah. We had decided there's no way our hands can survive yeah. eight or nine degrees. Oh, and the reason we know it was eight or nine degrees is because the out, um, the camp, the camp where the hunter's at, they have a thermometer, and they said, oh, this is the coldest has been since 73. They've been up there every year since this is the coldest has been in a long time. We should talk about their camp for a second compared to our camp. Oh, it was sick. They had bookshelves in their tent. Like, it was just on a different level. Yeah, these they guys. Wood stove. It was like 76 degrees in there. They, they had it all. Yeah. We, we were literally sleeping in a 6x6 six six yeah. tent. Three I wouldn't change it for the world, but I'm telling you what. There, I'm there are you other ways living. to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, basically the moral story is that we got all this weight, and we, we decided it's a good idea. Chad's got – he's got a hindquarter – in the miscellaneous bag with the tenderloins, the back strap, neck meat, uh, neck meat, which is a sh- there's a lot of neck meat. So I probably had 60 to 70 pounds in that hindquarter and 40 uh, ish pounds in, in miscellaneous. Uh, I feel like I feel like this comes off as like we're bragging right now. Oh man, no, it's it's to define our stupidity. Um, and so we, man, yeah, we got that on the back and started trudging down this hill. And I. I I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say <laughs> I think this was the most challenging physical thing I've ever done in my life. No, to be to, to just yeah, I I I can't think of anything in terms of intensity and duration that matches having uh, over 100 pounds on your back heading down in the dark on the snow. In the snow, 8 to 12 inches of snow, 10 degrees. It first, what we can be clear though, miles. we weren't we weren't cold. Let's just be clear no, though, no. we were not cold. But Chad, like, I'm not trying to like make funny or anything. Chad falls within, yeah, like 100 yards. Yeah. Just going, he he goes I, down, down, baby. And I I'm can't like, get up. He literally couldn't get up. Like I, <laughs> not like, <laughs> I oh, like oh, not so I'm exhausted. I can't get up yet. Like literally, I I can't <laughs> get. I have so much weight on my back. So that was not great. So you had to kind of uh, hoist me up. And I don't know how you did it, carrying what you had on your back and pulling me up. Well, that was like the, the moral of the story. Like, we got stronger as the night went on, for sure. We yeah. figured out that the best way to get up, because we, I mean, we went 100 yards or so. I, mean, I don't know, not 100. A couple hundred. We went a couple hundred yards and we sat. We went a couple hundred yards and we sat. I mean, that's all we could do. We went a couple hundred yards and we sat. I mean, it was just like unbearable, yeah. like over 100, I don't know, I wish we could measure it somehow, but it, I had my 10.5-pound rifle, I had a tripod, I had a full thing of water, food for the night, and, like, a couple other random things, you know, like batteries, headlamp, and, and like, I mean, the pack was heavy. Oh, man. Stupid. And we, uh... so stupid. We both have the Cabela's brand pack, and throughout the week worked super well for us, super happy. I'm not sure it was prepared 
to handle the weight of meat that we put on there based on the fact that it just it was riding terribly on my back both of us yeah. it was just shredding our shoulders and it was riding low and it, it was just it was there's probably somebody listening to me and like man these rookies yeah. but like oh i'm sure there's a better way to do it but we did not we, we, we did no, it this way. i mean we, we did it the best we could yeah we, we did. made the call we made a decision so we left camp at 906 p.m it's dark it's pitch black and we get to the truck at about 12:30. Yep. And it just uh, all along the way we had different markers, you know, that we we had hiked up this trail and Nate had done it 3 years and we knew what halfway was and we knew we were looking for this sign and man in the dark it just messes with you. You think you're getting close, you think you're there, you're mentally just kind of psyching yourself up and it's it's just further than you think and Yeah. It was rough. And so, yeah, we we got to the truck at what twelve thirty. Twelve thirty. And we, I, we I, literally just threw this stuff. We we just threw the bags in the back of the bed of the truck, and we crawled into that truck. I had nothing left to give. That was <laughs> every ounce of energy and strength I had. I, I mean, was just done. I'll be honest with you. I was like, I'm not going to say I used every single ounce of my energy. I will say that. But I was, I was like, damn, we got to go back up tomorrow. That's how I was feeling. That's kind of like like. Damn, we See, we gotta go again. Like we gotta get ready. We gotta we gotta get in this truck and sleep right now. And we didn't sleep well. No. I mean, See, I I, I guess I kind of handled it a little different mentally because I knew, I was telling myself at least that that was gonna be the heaviest load. Yeah. That that if I could do that, like I can do anything. Uh, and that was the worst of it. And that was behind me. So yeah, a hundred percent. Like we needed we needed to get calories in us and we needed to get to bed. Um, it's funny too because like your body does this thing like. I wasn't very hungry, to be honest with you, but you, you get out in this area, in, in this wilderness area, and, like, you, you, you have to have the energy. So you almost look at food like, like gasoline. Like, you just have to have it. Like, you might not be hungry, but you know you need to put it in your body. And that's kind of how I felt. I was just like, dude, I'm just like, I don't even want to move. Like, I just, I just don't want to move. I just need to recoup, but you, we needed to eat. We needed to get fluided up. The truck ran all night. We, we had the truck on high heat all night long. Well, we had to, based on the fact that, you know, I fell a couple times. We were sitting in the snow. Our gear was soaked. Yeah. So we just had to put it in front of the heater and run the truck. And, again, um, it was it – was, when we woke up in the morning, the, the truck said it was 10 degrees outside. Yeah. Um, so it would have been a cold night in the tent anyways. Um, so uh, let, let's, let's, let's just speed this up a little bit. So we, we get up next morning. Yep. And we we had we had we up. drained everything out of our packs. There's nothing in the bag. We got hiking sticks now because I had some in the truck. We both had hiking poles, a set of hiking poles, and we're hoofing it up the trail. Yep. Started first light, whatever that time that was. I don't know. We get up to camp. I estimate it was about two and a half hours, yep. maybe three, yep. two and a half. Um, and we're we get there and we pull up to camp and I can see through the you know the pine trees. I'm like, hey, there's somebody in our camp. And who the hell was it? It was our guy, Mike. It's our guy, Mike, the guy, the hunter that we had sat around the fire with 20 minutes before we shot this elk. And he's got yeah, He's two, not alone. He's got two horses with him. And Chad and I look at each other, and we just smile. We're like, praise Jesus in heaven. <laughs> praise God from whom all blessings flow. Oh, man. Because he was, he was saving our biscuits, man. Oh, my gosh. And uh, so he's sitting there. He's like, I was like, hey, man, how, how long have you been waiting here for us? He's like, man, I just I had a feeling sitting in bed last night. I just, man, I just guess guys are going to have a hard time getting that down. And I just pulled up maybe two minutes ago. And I'm like, are you serious, man? It was like it was like a it was a divine thing where we had walked up at the same time. 
And so we, we pack camp. We take all the, you know, we take the bivy down, we take the tent down, we pack it all. And he's got these two panniards on this horse, and we throw it all on the horse. And, you know, it wasn't going to be no easy second hike out. We no. had the whole antler set. We were going to try and bone out the, the one, even though it was so cold and probably frozen solid. Um, luckily, we threw everything on this horse except for our packs. We had about 30 pounds each in our packs. And we followed these, you know, the gentleman. He was riding the horse, and then the horse behind it had all of our gear. And we just followed, I mean, yeah. immediately. We packed up. Within 20 minutes, we left. Yeah. So we get up the hill. We were planning on having lunch and getting some water and this and that. Um, we didn't. We didn't. We, I mean, this was, in my opinion, halfway down this hike, it was much harder than the pack out the night before. Just <laughs> trying to follow these horses. And um, I don't I don't know what your take on how that, that was. I think uh, I did not have as hard of a time on the way back. I, I think it became very clear how difficult that hike down would have been with that weight on our back because we were both struggling with just, you know, the it's pack a knee cast, man. It's, it's nothing to do with being young or anything. It's just like when you're talking a lot of weight and going you're going down downhill, downhill, it's just pound, 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 pound on your knees yeah. and and your shoulders. I mean, your shoulders, whenever you have a backpack on for a long time or an hour, they're going to hurt. So, like, after a while, you just get this raging headache with your shoulders pinching and you just block it out and you get in the zone and you just you don't think about it. But Yeah. So I, I was definitely not feeling good, but it was – I was just using the context of, oh, my gosh, last night was so bad, and this would have been so much worse if he wasn't here with these horses. And because of that yeah. um, that contrast, I, I was okay. Um, but, yeah, much more efficient trip down. It took us maybe two hours to get down. Um, it was, it it was, was miraculous. And just, we, yeah. get, we get to the bottom. Um, oh, yeah. Again, we get to the bottom. We see the truck. We throw everything in. And I had told Mike – um, the guy that we met, the hunter, who had the horses, he'd um, we you know mentioned we'd shared a bunch of stories and we became really close friends. This and that, I had shared with him like I had been kicked by a horse um, when I was in high school. I was I was dating this girl and we went out riding horses and one of the horses didn't like the other horse and so there's a girl riding one horse and I'm I'm on the back so I'm like riding double with this girl and the horse you know the the sister or whatever of this horse comes over and didn't like the mare and kicked kicked the horse that I was on and it kicked my shin when I was riding this horse. So I I I thought at the time I'd broke my leg and I was never gonna walk again. There was like a softball sticking out of my shin. That's no lie. There's no lie there at all. It looked like a softball was coming off my shin underneath my skin. And I I couldn't walk for a long time, I remember it was, it was a pretty big deal. So I had a little bit of fright about, you know, I, it's not that I was scared of horses. I'm, I'm just not. I'm scared of walking behind horses. That's what it is. Probably a good fear to have. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm very assertive. I, I, I wanted to get back on the horse. Pun intended. Literally. Both. So I said, "Hey, Mike. You know, we get to meet in. I'm like, hey, we're, we're. You know, is is it okay? He said something like, "Hey, is there anything else we can do for you? Just let me know." I'm like, hey, "Hey, Mike, there is actually one thing you can let me do. I need to get up on that horse and I need to ride it down the path real quick. Just, just so I can." get my nuts back you know what i mean and he's like oh absolutely so i jump up on peyton peyton the horse and i ride down the path and uh he wouldn't listen to me very well no yeah he was he was not interested in what you were telling him but he wasn't he he wanted to eat that's yeah, what he wanted he, he wanted, some, he wanted some some grass and he, he got that grass i let him have it yeah you did so it was a great experience man we were gonna um we're gonna try and hook up with them in the future hopefully and maybe share dinner over camp or something like that so 
So yeah, I, instead of four trips, it ended up taking us two. Mm-hmm. Um, the first being very grueling, and the second uh, was much better than it could, would have been. So that worked out in total worked out really well for us. I just want to say that this whole trip, you know, man, um, it was divine. We we had said prayers every night, protect our tent as we sleep. And help us see game, help us to have an enjoyable time. And, like, this is one of those trips. Like, it just it feels like hard work paid off. You know what I mean? Like, you got all your eggs in one basket. You're really going out there. You're spending lots of money on tag, gear. You're putting your body through hell. And we just, we just were staying positive. I think that's a huge thing about hunting. Anybody who hunts knows that you don't go out and shoot something every time. It's just not how it goes. So just staying positive, you know, and everything was just so divine. Like, we walked within 35 yards of a herd of elk. Did we mention that there was, like, six six of the different elk in that group, not just the two that we saw or the three? Mm-mm. There was about six, six different elk. There was another shooter in that bunch. They ran up the hill after we shot. But just the way that we walked up on them, it fell right next to the trail. We got the thing back quartered, butchered, and everything back to camp before dark the horse mike everything it just was so it was so divine you know and i'm not going to say that um we're not sore (laughs) definitely a little sore uh more than a little and uh you know you got it's it's just fun i i I, it's sad that that's the thing that gets me going like i want to do it again i want to go on a sheep hunt i want to go on a moose hunt i want to go out there and just really push my limits because it's your your body can handle so much, but it's it's so weird for me. I think that that's that's my fun. It's that's that's it. That's what it's life for me. It just is. It's awesome. So what's the first thing you're gonna do with your meat? First thing I'm gonna do with my meat, I'm gonna cut that meat. <laughs> How am I gonna cut it? How are you? What are you gonna cook first? Um, I'm very excited. Um, I've had elk steaks two times in my life, and. I'm probably gonna I'm gonna take the back strap and I'm gonna cut it real thin. As many steaks as I can get out of that back strap and I'm going to sear it in a in a cast iron pan with a little bit of a bear lard from the bear that I harvested this year and I'm gonna put a little salt on it and that's it. I'm gonna put bear lard in in the dish, I'm gonna I'm gonna warm it up, I'm gonna sear that son of a gun on one side, I'm gonna sear it on the other, I'm gonna put a little salt on it, and I'm gonna enjoy that. I'm really looking forward to that. What about you? Probably pretty similar. I'll uh, probably cut up a bunch of little steaks out of the back strap, and I'll I, I'll probably grill it, um, try a couple different things, salt it, you know, this and that, and just try a variety of different things. But, yeah, I, I can't wait to get my uh, teeth into one of those back straps. Yeah, Chad's, Chad's uh, the whole reason I lured Chad into this, I was like, hey, if you come out here, I'll teach you everything I know about hunting backcountry elk in the wilderness. And you'll have a great experience. And if we harvest something, I will I will actually give you a quarter and a backstrap. It was more the second part that got me going. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I think everybody's walking away happy. I'm going to share this elk with my family, uh, my friends. You know, this is like the most you, – you can make the case that deer and things like that are organic. But the, the fact of the matter is, is most times deer eating corn and whatnot. And that's no different than what a cow eats. They eat grain. And, yes, they are organic, but they're not entirely organic because they're eating a lot of these plants and things that we plant as humans. They have chemicals and fertilizer and this and that on it. But an elk up in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, Rocky Mountain High, that is, like, that is, that is organic. 
and it is some of the finest eating meat that I've ever put in my mouth, and I'm very excited, um, excited to, to get my mouth on some of that stuff. So is there anything uh, that we missed, man? I think we hit it off pretty damn well. That's pretty thorough. It's pretty thorough. Is there anything you want to close on, any closing thoughts at all? No, not really. I'm just hungry for some elk meat. Yeah. I think I'll just close off. Um, I'm going to do a shameless plug for the some of the sponsors. I have I have four sponsors, okay? We have Shoepex Sporting Goods in Jackson, Michigan. We have GSL Technology Suppressor um, in Jackson, Michigan. And Go Hunt and Onyx. I used all four of those. I'm going to do a shameless plug. I, I used every single one of those. I have a, a rifle that I bought from Shoepex. I have a suppressor on the end that I bought from GSL, Greg Greg Latka down in, in Jackson. I use Onyx daily on that hunt. Plenty of times in advance, too, doing desk, scout, desk scouting, dropping waypoints. I use that every day. No questions asked. And then I definitely use Go Hunt to. They have a new 3D mapping feature where you can kind of turn the the map on its side and you can see the elevation in 3D. Um, it's it's pretty awesome. I use that a lot. I also use that uh, many years ago to actually find this location, and I use it almost on a weekly basis to scout for future hunting trips and things things like that. So serious, serious shout out to all those things because I use them through the entire hunt and years previous and uh definitely going to be using them going forward and then like i said jared walker flint ridge rifles that guy he'll get you dialed he got me dialed and uh i'm excited to hear from him and see if he actually if he harvested something because he was out in the same area so guys get out there and hunt this is an over-the-counter tag man i cannot express to you the adventure um the the camaraderie just learning, getting out in God's creation, and everything. I mean, you're out there. It's it's enjoyable even if you're not, you know, successful in your harvest. It's just it's a, an experience seeing these Rocky Mountains and so jagged and rugged and just wild, just wilderness. It's just complete wilderness, and it's just amazing. It's anybody can do it. You just got to do a little preparation, and uh, that's what we're here for. If you guys need to uh, contact me um, and you want more information on how to get started, I, I'll help you, man. I I tell us to everybody, if, I'll talk to you for free. I'll, I'll I'll sit down on a phone conversation with you and I'll I'll give you an idea. I'm not going to tell you where to go. You got to do the work for yourself. But I will help you in every way I possibly can to get out and hunt if it's something you want to do. So um, you can do that. You go to the Painted Arrow website. It's paintedarrow.com. No, paintedarrowoutdoors.com. Sorry about that paintedarrowoutdoors.com go to the uh, contact tab there and you can just fill out the little form there put your email in and shoot me a comment and I get that right to my phone a nice little notification alright Chad we're in Nebraska now and uh, I'm really looking forward to getting home we got 14 hours and 1,030 miles to go Yeah. home sweet home Alrighty guys, appreciate you listening along and uh, get out in the woods. See ya.